Hello, hello. Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, that was very kind. I will say, after you have kids, you will never wish another four days on a woman. Um, so I know, I know my wife would not be down for your little request for May 10th. Uh, before I dive in, I want to, I have been given so much Kingswood swag uh, in my lifetime that I want to return the favor. And so we have some Kings Valley swag uh, I'm going to give to, uh, who can I give this to? I'm going to give one to, obviously, President Gorvette. We'll give, I'm going to, I'm going to, you want the hoodie? Okay. Uh, to pass to uh, Professor Mike, who can actually probably pull off the fitted hat. Uh, where's, where's Dave Smith? Where is he? There he is. I know, I know fitted hats are still your style, so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to rock that well, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, awesome. I am from Kings Valley. I'm one of the pastors there. And I think most of the pastors are here, actually. So I, I do want to go on record and say we love Kingswood kids. Like, we love you guys coming to our church. We love you getting involved. We love this school. The staff have to because I do. That stuff will get you fired. So, um, but I want, I want you guys to know, I want to go on record, we love having you guys, especially those of you who make the trek down. Who's come to Kings Valley on a Sunday here? Oh, wow, awesome. What's wrong with the rest of you? Seriously. Uh, it's all good. I, I want to encourage you, though, uh, my, the staff are here, and they would love to meet you after our, uh, our gathering here together and let you know ways that you can plug in. We want interns. We want student ministries. We want you to come be part of our church because we love what God's doing here, and we love what God's doing at Kings Valley, and I think the two uh, can go together nice. Would you stand one more time with me? I want to read the word. We're going to dive in. Uh, it was already referenced in the prayer, but I actually want to, and I don't know if this is, was planned or not, but uh, I want to teach from the story of blind Bartimaeus. And my hope today is that God will stir up in me and in you and all of us, and even as I was preparing, just it's already happening, but that he would stir up some faith in us to expect the supernatural and the impossible in the, in the here and now. Like not even in a someday sense of the word, but in the here and now. So the story goes like this, and let's just read it together. It says that then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When, t when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Would you pray with me one more time? Lord, we just, uh, we do want to confess even right now. I, I confess right now when I read these things, I've never seen someone's eyes open in front of me. Um, but I do believe you're the same God, and you're the same Savior, and, yet, and the same power that raised you from the dead is available to us and through us today. And so, Lord, would you stir up faith in us, stir up expectancy, stir up hunger 
for us to see your power move in us and through us in our day. We love you and we praise you and we thank you that we can come together and just even enter into your word. And so, God, would you just be with us these next few minutes, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys can have a seat. Uh, Any cessationists in the room? People who think that the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything, really, other than... No, I was going to give you a hat, so that's all. (laughs) This might not be for you, but I came today to talk to you about seeing the the power of God move in and through you. In our day, like in in powerful ways. I want to talk about that. Imagine on campus... And I I believe I've I've heard some some stories already happen. Imagine on campus that... The power of God, like the real tangible power of God, even more than just uh, people, you know, having revelation about God's word, but in, in tangible ways, inexplicable things started happening. Like people getting healed, impossible people coming, coming to Christ to hear, about, to hear about forgiveness and to receive the mercy of God. Imagine what it would be like if here on this campus, on this hill, it became known as a place where there are people, students and faculty, who are walking in the power of God's anointing through the Holy Spirit. I believe that that is actually God's heart, not just for here, but here in the Maritimes especially. And I've been saying it for a while. I think we are on the cusp of seeing a mass breakout in just supernatural activity through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I I frankly think... Atlantic Canada is the greatest place for God to demonstrate his power. Because people here aren't expecting anything like that. Right? It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. And that's God's style. He picks Nazareth to give birth to his kid. And I feel like he would do that here. And so imagine if KU campus was the place where people were bringing their sick. Or they were bringing hurting people. Or the hopeless. Or people who were bound or possessed even. Because they knew, well, you know what? Those people, Jesus does stuff through them. I know something to be true. In my 25 years of following Jesus, the most transformative, meaningful, life, soul-shaping moments of my life have come through an, a tangible encounter with the power of God. Like tangible encounters, ones that you really can't explain. You know you had an encounter with the power of God. They have been the most transformative moments of my whole life. Both things that have happened to me. I remember being at Beulah Camp as an intern. Scott uh, Scott Rhino was there. I will never forget just being literally floored to the ground after some men prayed for me. And the power of the Holy Spirit and just like... Liquid love flowing in me from God like I've never experienced before in my life. I was never the same when I got up off the ground. Never the same. And there was nothing you could do to explain that. I don't even remember what was said or what was prayed. I don't even remember anything other than, bam, I just got nailed by God's power. Do you believe God still does that? I remember the times, the most, some of the most stretching and shaping times in my life have been where men and women who were listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit came up to me and said, God's telling you this. Prophetic words, things that nobody could have possibly known. Those are the things that they just, they just rip deep, don't they? I remember time, the time in my living room where I was just really desperate to know if God was there. I was by myself in my living room. And I remember sitting in the armchair and I remember asking God, are you there? And it was almost as though a physical person came over top of my shoulders and just squeezed me. Like the most powerful times of my life, the most 
transformative, soul-shaping times in my whole life have been times where I knew that was God. That God touched me, that God spoke to me, that he moved in me. And then the other time in my ministry, the most highlight real moments of my whole ministry are times where I can't take credit for it. They're the times I look back and I say, God did that. You know, God, times where I've prayed for people and they've been healed. I did not do that. I'm not a healer. Times where I've spoken words that I could not possibly have known to people at just the right time, at just the right place. I can't do that. Those have been the greatest times of my ministry. That's been the highlight reel. Last summer, I had the opportunity to preach at Beulah. And man, there was just power in the room. It wasn't something I did. It wasn't something I fabricated. Those have been the times in my life that I've just been the most marked and changed Times where only God can give, get credit. The most life-giving times in my life, the most exciting moments, the most intoxicating moments in my existence have been times where the power of God has moved in me or through me or usually both at the same time. And what we need, church, is we need a church that's hungry to see that happen more often. I think we settle too much and we forget I, I, it's amazing how fast I forget sometimes the things that God has done. Even just pulling this sermon up and writing and looking back on some of the things God has done. Uh, and I think to myself, where's that guy been? You know, like how fast we forget. We need a church that's hungry. And here's the deal. The church, the world needs a church that is operating with demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I mean, if you come to Kings Valley and you could ask any of the staff, I am all for efficiency, I am all for effectiveness, I am all for leadership, ingenuity, creativity, all those human things, all the natural gifts, I am all for them, and we ride that stuff hard. But at the end of the day, if the church is defined by being creative, being ingenuitive, being great leaders, if that's what defines us and it's not demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power, it's just not going to reach the world. That's why Paul said, I didn't come to you with lofty arguments or impressive, impressive sermons. I came to you with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the world is hungry for. So here's a really quick, I know I don't have a ton of time, but I want to ask the question, what moves God? You ever wonder that? Like, what moves God? If you were to look back on a time where God moved in power, are there things we can take from that and say, okay, this was present. This is something, this is a key. This is something that unlocked the power of God. I believe there are, and I think we can find them actually in the story of Bartimaeus. And now, I don't want you to get up, leave here and think, you know, branding yourself some crazy name it, claim it fanatic. I'm not. I don't think you can manipulate God. God won't be mocked. God won't be used. But there are things, there are principles, and there are things that God has put in motion in place for us to be able to step into and unlock the power of God in and through us. Does anybody believe that? You with me? You guys got to talk to me. Y'all are quiet. I know it's like, I know I, I actually need to thank you for coming. Because it's about this time of year I was starting to skip some chapel. So I'm glad you're here. It's midwinter. But I think God's going to stir some faith in you. All right, real quick, I'm going to dive through this. I want to look at this story of Bartimaeus and see if we can draw out some, some conclusions as how to experience the power of God in your life. What actually moves God in your life and through you. So we know this story, and I'm not going to have time today to get deep into the context of it. I just want to pull some things out of the story, out of the text, and see if there are some things that we can put into practice in our own lives. It says in verse 47, first and foremost, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. First thing I know about the power of God is that the power of God moves through faith. 
The power, we, and you all know this. You have all heard this. The power of God moves through faith, but faith comes through hearing. You ever hear that scripture? Faith comes through hearing. So you can't fabricate faith. You need to get faith. And the way you get faith is through hearing. Hearing what? Six people know it. Hearing the word of God. Romans, Romans uh, 10, I think it is. Yeah, 1017. says faith comes through hearing, and hearing comes through the word of God. That you need to actually hear the word of God, and it's the word of God, the word of Jesus, that actually awakens faith in you. So you can't make yourself believe in something. That's the problem with faith. You can't just make yourself have faith. That's, that's not what faith is. Faith is the conviction of, of things unseen. How You can't convince yourself of something. It's got to be actual living alive. And the Bible tells us that the word of God is living and active. So the word of God, are you tracking? The word of God is what awakens faith in you. And faith is the conduit by which the power of God moves. So you cannot and will not see the power of God move in you or through you until you have faith. And you will not have faith sans the word of God. Sans, is that too French? Without the word of God. Faith comes through hearing. See, Bartimaeus had heard. Do you, you see this? He's blind, right? He didn't see. We want to see our way into the supernatural, don't we? We want to see our way into seeing God move in power. We want to reason it. We want to quantify it. We want to be able to handle it. You can't. Faith is the bridge that enters us into the power of God. Faith is the conduit. Faith is the door that cracks open for the, for the kingdom to move through. That's why I love the fact that he's blind. He didn't have to see. All he had to do is hear. He'd heard that Jesus was nearby. He'd probably heard the stories about Jesus wherever he went. He was like releasing people from demonic oppression and possession. He was healing bodies. He was raising dead people. He was casting out spirits. He was doing crazy things with nature like walking on water. That's just wild. Like his faith was stirring in him because he'd heard about Jesus. So you guys, I was loving just even in the prayer earlier. How, how she said that, you know, we're hearing some awesome reports from New York. You guys have to share those things. you got to share what God's doing or else you'll never, faith will never awaken in you. So if you pray for someone and God does it, share it. You see the church in Revelation, how do they overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the? Yeah, you have to share the word. You have to dig into the word. You have to read your Bible. That's how faith gets awakened. So, first thing I know about power is that it moves through faith, and you can't have faith without the word. Bartimaeus had heard. You got it? You guys are, like, right quiet. So, Bartimaeus, verse 47, just leave your Bible open. It says that when he heard Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, so he'd heard, faith had awoken, he began to shout. Here's the second thing I know about the power of God. The power of God moves through our initiative. That's not a popular thing to talk about because we kind of we want to leave it in God's hands, don't we? But the power of God moves through our initiative. Here's what I know to be true. There were a lot of people in Israel when Jesus was walking around that did not get healed. There were people likely in the street that Jesus walked by that did not get healed. Right? Not everybody got healed. So Why? There's a piece in this about our own initiative. Yeah, there are instances where you find Jesus going up to someone and, and, and singling them out for whatever purpose. But I know something to be true, that the power of God moves through human initiative. That God seems to be a lot more comfortable with us having a part to play than we are. 
You ever think about that? Like, I, I find that. I'm way more uncomfortable with, like, with having a part to play and seeing the power of God move than I think he is. Faith, or the power of God actually moves through our initiative. Jesus didn't heal every person. The reality is, there is kingdom power, you guys, right now, passing you by all the time. Like, what would have happened if Jesus was leaving Jericho and Bartimaeus said nothing? It was him who shouted out, Jesus, son of David. If he didn't, Jesus would have kept going, right? This is how we live, you guys. This is how I live. How often do I just let the power of God pass me by or pass my mind or slip my mind? And I don't ever think about it, don't reach for it, don't, don't get out after it. I don't take the initiative. See, the power of God moves through our initiative. Bartimaeus would not have been healed if he didn't yell out and stop Jesus. Jesus said one time, you have not because you, yeah, he's not withholding anything. He's descended from his throne in heaven, come to earth, died on the cross, rose again, and gave us resurrection power in the Holy Spirit. Like, there is power available for the church. I just don't think we reach for it very often. I know I don't. Power comes through initiative. You have not because you ask not. Are you letting the power of God pass you by? Number three is this. The power of God moves through humility. Just before you think that it has anything to do with you, you want to be sure to know that the power of God moves through humility. Look what it says next. It says, Bartimaeus heard that Jesus Nazareth was nearby. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You think how embarrassing that was? Here's this dude in this huge crowd sitting on a coat begging for money as if he wasn't a sight to see enough. He doesn't even really know where Jesus is. He just knows he's in proximity. And so I just picture this blind man looking to the sky, just yelling, Jesus, help me. Humbling, isn't it? It's humbling. You cannot see the power of God move through you without the presence of humility. The power of God moves through humility. You see this all through the Bible. I mean, James 4, 6 says, uh, God, what, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This isn't God being vindictive. I think a lot of the time I, I see God as insecure. In my own insecurity, I'm like, well, God's just not going not gonna, to take his ball and go home. If you're going to be proud, he's just not going to share any of his power with you. That's how I picture that. Am I the only one that ever sees God, like, through that bent? I am. I'm go- I am going to hell, I think. I'm, I'm- <laughs> Nobody here sees God like that. That's awesome. Good, I guess I can go home. I see God that way, that he's like insecure and that he's trying to withhold his power until you realize who God is. God doesn't need you to affirm his godness. You need to affirm God's godness. All right? You, that's what makes you alive. God doesn't need your praise. You need his praise. You need to praise him. And so that's what he means by when it says God opposes the proud. Your pride actually sets you diametrically opposed to the power of God. It's like flipping a cup upside down. And if the power of God is, a, is coming of the faucet pouring water, your pride is turning your cup over so you cannot receive. Humility flips the cup back over to, fit, to fill. You cannot experience the power of God without humility. It just doesn't work. It's incompatible. You saw this. Remember the story of Naaman? 
in the Old Testament, the, the great man, he was the, he was the commander of the Syrian army, I think, and Ishgadol, he was a great man, it says, and he went to, he had leprosy, and he went to, to see uh, Elisha about healing, and he shows up at Elisha's little shack, and he's got his chariots, and his tanks, and his hummers, and his like Apache helicopter, and he's just rolling in with the big fanfare, and it tells us that he gets out, and he walks up to the door, and he knocks on the door, and who comes to the door? Not even Elisha, it wasn't even him, he sent his servant. Like, talk about disrespected. Naaman flips out, he's like, how dare you? I am a great man, and you, you can't even get out of bed to come down and talk to me? And he storms off, and he almost misses his miracle. Do you remember how the story goes? And his servants run after him, and he says, like, dude, you need to relax. Just do what the guy says. You might get healed. And what happens? He does humble himself. He dips himself in the Jordan seven times. He comes out clean. Humility. you got to humble yourself. God, God will not be mocked. God will not be used. He works through people who humbly reach and have faith and take initiative to see him move. We tracking? I know this to be true. Some of you, and, some, and for myself even, sometimes I don't see the power of God move through me because I'm either too proud to ask for it, or maybe I'm just too proud and wanting my own glory out of it. See, pride is what clogs the, the conduit. Pride is what clogs the power of God up. A lot of the time, we don't ask for our prayer for ourselves, do we, because we're too proud. So you talk about seeing the power of God move in you and move to you, receiving a miracle. A lot of miracles don't happen because we're too proud to ask, aren't we? The power of God moves through humility. Let's keep going. So it says that Bartimaeus shouts out loud. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then the people around him say, dude, be quiet. That's Jesus. He doesn't want anything to do with you. you just be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But it says, and I want you to look at this, is that he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Here's what I know about power. The power of God moves through persistence. I give up too quick. I don't know about you, but I give up too quick. If I pray for something and I don't feel like anything happened, I just quit. And I think, well, I guess God's not going to do that. If you find one thing to be true in the, in the Gospels and in the Bible, you see a lot. You can make a great case for persistence that sometimes even Jesus prayed twice. Do you remember the time he prayed for the guy, the other blind guy? And he said, what do you see? And he says, I can see shapes like trees. And then he prayed again. It took two prayers for Jesus. The power of God moves through persistence. I think we just quit too soon. What about the story of the ten lepers? You remember when they came to Jesus? They said, can we be healed? And he said, go show yourselves to the priest." I always think about that. It tells us that they all left and they all did what Jesus said. But what if they stopped on the journey like 10 steps too soon? Like somewhere on the journey, the Bible says as they went, they were healed. Somewhere on the journey, the power of God started moving into them. What if they stopped like 10, 20, 30 steps before the breakthrough happened? You see, it takes persistence. We got to pray and we got to pray and we got to pray and we got to keep coming after it. Until you hear God say no, pray. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? I don't know why it works this way. I really don't. And maybe Professor Gable can give you a good theological explanation. I don't know. But I do know this. Persistence is always there. Jesus talked about the persistent widow. Luke 18. Remember that? He says, like, there's this woman that annoyed this wicked judge so bad until he finally gave her what she wanted. So keep praying, Jesus says. 
And I don't know why this is. I don't know why it's not a quick fix. I don't know why it's not an easy answer. I don't know why you don't snap your fingers and you can shoot like Holy Spirit lightning bolts. I don't know why it doesn't work like that. What I do know is it takes persistence. Bartimaeus cries even louder. I've done a lot. I mean, I'm hungry to see God move in my life and in my church and in my day. And I've done a lot of research and read a lot of books from different uh, angles and different sectors of the church and in doing some research on the, on the Vineyard Church. Anybody familiar with the Vineyard Church? Uh, doing some research on John Wimber, and I listened to one sermon. He was talking about how it took them a year before they really saw anybody actually heal. They prayed consistently for an entire year at the end of every service for the sick. He felt like God was asking him to pray for the sick and lay hands on them every, every service for a year. So 52 services, they prayed for people, and he said nothing happened. It was crickets. And he said after, the, after a year, this woman with the flu or something came up, and he, they laid hands on her, and she was like instantly healed. And it's really funny. If you ever listen to John Wimber, he's like this kind of chubby Santa Claus-looking guy, and he's really jolly. And, and he talks about the story, and he goes, after that, we left that church, and we go, we got one! It took him a year. Like, I quit too soon. I stopped praying. I stopped contending. I stopped getting after it. And I think that's sometimes we don't see the power of God move because maybe we stop one step or two steps too soon. The power of God moves through persistence. Through persistence. You can't stop praying. You can't stop trusting, obeying, believing. It says, he only shouted louder, have mercy on me. And then in verse 49, it says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. This is what I want you to see here. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and he jumped up and he came to Jesus. The power of God moves through action. James said, without works, faith is dead. You don't have faith if there's works. That's not faith. You have belief or something. I don't know what it is. Without faith, without works, you have no faith. The power of God moves through action. This miracle did not happen until Bartimaeus got up and he threw his coat. And you just picture this blind man making his way through this crowd, pawing his way through this crowd, getting to Jesus. There is action involved. Like he had to do something. And this is, this is a kingdom principle. that I think the watchman Nee said, the earth moves heaven. Like when Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The earth moves heaven. So it actually takes our action and our activity to move, to create the space for the power of God to move. Does that make sense? So a lot of us, we need to actually get up and we need to leave our coat. We need to leave our pride behind. You need to leave your fear, your doubt, your unbelief, whatever, your your past failures. I think a lot of the time we let our past dictate what we expect in the present. Well, I prayed for that guy that time and nothing happened, so I guess that's just what's going to happen. You need to leave that coat behind and pray. You need to leave that coat behind and step out. That's what it's saying. It takes action. Bartimaeus had to physically move. He had to physically move. You have to leave your despair. You have to leave your unbelief. You have to leave your doubt. You have to disagree with whatever this situation is. For Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus had to disagree with his blindness. You see, a lot of churches live in like this denial. Do you know what I mean? Like, see, that's why a lot of people don't like the church because people, they just seem like they're living in denial. Like they just, 
you know, la, 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 you know, Jesus can heal, and they don't really have any dose of reality. Christianity, Christians aren't, aren't called to live in denial. We're supposed to live in disagreement. I disagree with the presence of cancer. I disagree with the presence of fear. I disagree with the presence of bondage. It's not that we d- deny its existence. We're not living in denial. We live in disagreement. And so you've got to get up from that place of agreement and that place of unbelief or whatever it is, and you leave your coat, and you go, and you reach for the power of God. Bartimaeus left his coat, and he moved forward, and he stepped out. He jumped up, it says, and he came to Jesus. And then verse 51, Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? I know this to be true. God never asks a question because he needs to know the answer. Jesus asks you a question, he's not genuinely wondering. What do you want me to do for you? God, I, what, I want you to, what, do, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see the power of God, number six, this is a seven-pointer. I'm just going for it. I'm not above a seven-pointer. You can give me a low grade in homiletics. I don't care. I got the mic. <laughs> the power of God moves specifically. You need to know this about seeing God move in power. It moves specifically. See, a lot of the time I feel like I do this. I pray in generalities. God, would you touch that person? But every time you see a healing or something supernatural take place in the Bible, it's usually a specific thing that's, that's being done. It's, it's like laser-focused. And you would never do this when you went to the doctor. If you fell this afternoon on ice, Lord forbid, it's not going to happen. But if you did and you broke your arm and the bone was sticking out and you went down to the Sussex Regional and you waited for six hours and then you, uh, you got... I'm just joking. I hope no one works there. Uh, and you, you had your bone sticking out of your arm, and you finally saw the doctor, and the doctor said, so what's wrong? What do you need me to do for you? You're not going to say, something hurts. You're going to say, my freaking arm's broken. Right? But we pray like that, don't we? Uh, something's not right. The power of God moves through specific Prayer, like laser-pointed. At another point, uh, Watchman E, he compared prayer to like laying tracks for a locomotive. Everybody ever read that one? I don't know which one it is. I think it's the Prayer Ministry of the Church, that book. And he says like when you pray, the more specifically you pray, the better. Because you're laying tracks to steer the power of God. And so you're covering all this area. Instead of just throwing out generalities, you're going in deep faith with deep intentionality, specifically asking God for something. And I think we steer clear of specifics because we know there's an element of us, we might look stupid. If I specifically pray for that thing, if I specifically pray for your ear to open up, there's a chance that that won't happen, and so I don't want to look dumb. And so I'd rather just pray for peace, comfort, and maybe God, if you touch him, that'd be awesome. That's how I pray a lot of the time. Just, I was just saying to the guys on the way up, I prayed for a woman who's got like uh, a couple years to live. Uh, I met her for the first time last Sunday night or Saturday night at church, and she's, she's dealing with terminal cancer. And I, I caught myself afterwards just praying in generalities, God, give her peace. Instead, what I should have done is I should have specifically prayed what I knew was, was ailing her, and I should have brought it to God and said, God, can you deal with this cancer? I think it's in such and such a place. Do you understand? Power of God moves through specifics. We pray way too broad. Way too broad. Broad prayers are weak. You can tweet that. 
Broad prayers are weak. The power of God moves specifically. And here, okay, we're going to wrap up right here. I'm going to be done, get you to class. He says, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, you can, you can go now. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. But that's not all. And he followed Jesus down the road. You see, and you already knew this before you came in, but I, just, well, I want to highlight this. The power of God moves through Jesus. All power is God's power. It's borrowed. You don't have power. The power of God moves through Jesus. So if you want to experience more of the power of God, you experience more of Jesus. The, the most potent people I've ever met in my life, there's something I know to be true. If I see people, if I meet people who, who walk in the power and anointing of God and the Holy Spirit, it's just, you know those people. You ever met those people? Like you feel like they're reading your mail and they just, they're just walking in power and like you, you, you get near them and like your heart stirs because they're just walking in it. Every time I've met a person like that in my life, there's something to be true, something I know to be true about them. They have an intimacy with Christ. Like they know Jesus. Like he's a friend, a lover, a, a father, they, a brother. They know Jesus. Not just in general, I read my Bible every day, but they intimately know Jesus. If you want to see the power of God break into your life, it happens through knowing Jesus. Like marinate yourself in his presence. Get in line with what he wants to do. A lot of the time we reach to see the power of God move, and that's not even what God's up to. Right? Half the battle of seeing God move through you is finding out what God wants to do. Having ears to hear and eyes to see. You see, Bartimaeus, when his eyes opened, he saw Jesus and he said, there's power right there. That's power. And I'm following him. Because anything else I need in this life is going to be from him. If you want to experience the power of God, you put the time in to get to know Jesus. And listen, and not as a means to an end. God won't be mocked. God won't be manipulated. You can't use Jesus. I'm going to spend time with Jesus so that I can fire Holy Spirit lightning bolts. That's not going to happen. Get to know Jesus and find him to be your all-sufficient, saving Lord. Learn how to walk with him in life, and you will start to see the power of God just coming through you naturally by osmosis. So power happens through Jesus. I want to, uh, what I really wanted to do today, I could have probably just saved the seven-point sermon and just done this for you. I want to pray for you guys. Um, I want to ask, and I'll, I'll loosely word, use the word in part, um, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit, even in maybe the next week or so, would just tangibly, as you guys put faith into action as you guys get intentional and specific about reaching and asking God, as you guys get persistent and you get stop settling for anything less than a Christian life that's full of the Holy Spirit and walking in power, as you guys start reaching for that, I want to pray that God really does start to move here and something starts stirring here like never before. And I believe that, I mean, the difference even now, I want to encourage you guys. God is doing things here. Absolutely. But there's so much more to experience. Amen? So if, if that's you, if you, want, if you want to receive this prayer, you can stand and just maybe hold your hands open. And I want to pray for you. And then we'll wrap up.
Lord, we just do say first and foremost that where you are, Jesus, there's freedom. Where you are, there's power. There is peace, there is healing, there is hope, there is wisdom, there is revelation, there is comfort, there is where you are, Lord, is power. And so, Lord, first and foremost, we look to you and we say uh, to, to you alone, be all wisdom and power and honor and strength forever and ever, Lord. And we just, we lay our kingdom down at your feet. We lay our crowns down at your feet. And we say, Lord, we do want to see you move for your glory. And Lord, that when people look at me or when people look at Kings Valley or when people look at Kingswood University and they see inexplicable things happening, they see bodies being healed, they see minds being changed, they see lives being transformed, they see relationships being restored. When they see those things, when the world sees those things, they would be quick to look to you and say, there is a God. And he is real as evidenced by the works that are happening through those regular, ordinary people. And so, God, I pray that you would call us to be hungry, to see your spirit move, that it would be normal Christianity for us to lay our hands on each other, that we'd be quick to pray for one another, that we'd be quick to expect you to move, Lord, that we would be, we would be moved to pray specifically for each other and pray intentionally and, and to pray without ceasing, God, that you would actually call us into that type of normal Christianity, that we walk in the power of the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for how, uh, even forgive me, God, for how okay I've been to just be this impotent Christian. I know some stuff about you, but I don't know you. I, I know some things that you might do, but I've never experienced that. And forgive me for those times I've just settled, Lord. And would you stir up a hunger in me? Would you stir up a hunger in my brother and sisters here and at Kings Valley, Lord, that would just get us reaching to experience the kingdom now, to experience kingdom power. And so, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name, by your Holy Spirit, that, that there would be an increased activity uh, of your work, the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. That when people talk about Kingswood, Lord, that they wouldn't say that, wow, there's great leadership there, although there is, that there's great teaching there, although there is, but they would say it's been evidenced that God is there and that the Holy Spirit is moving, that there are signs and wonders and things that cannot be explained happening and that that would become normal for us, Lord. And let us not settle for anything less. And so this week, even God, I pray that you give tangible signs that this is your heart and this is your will and that there's so much more for us to experience in you. And so, God, we thank you that, your Holy, that the Holy Spirit is living and active and moving, God. And there is power passing us by all day long, every day. And, God, would you make us quick to look for it, to reach for it, to call for it, to believe for it, and to ask for it. And so, God, we give you glory in advance. And I ask you, Lord, that out of, maybe even out of this moment, Lord, there would be, as this week rolls on, there will be um, testimonies coming back of things happening that cannot be explained, Lord, and that we would be quick to turn it back to you. We love you and we praise you and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And I ask now, Lord, as we've heard your word, that faith would stir in us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.